It is Locked On Jazz for the 19th of September. A weekend filled with news and maybe some impact on the jazz and the trade market. Plus, Eurobasket comes to a disappointing end for our friend Rudy Gobert. Who are you most interested in seeing? Some interesting results from the questions last Friday on our show. And the concern of culture. We'll talk about it. All coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first Listen of the day. Our poll, our question today in YouTube chat involves Becky Hammond, who won the WNBA uh, title in her first year as the Las Vegas Aces coach. When do you think Becky Hammond will be an NBA coach? That's the question I've got for you. And if you want to get really call your shot, who's it going to be that uh, she replaces? Uh, so when do you think Becky Hammond will be a coach in the NBA? All right, interesting, uh, kind of great conversation Friday. The chat room was great. I went back through it. Thanks so much for all of you. Feel free to give us a thumbs up or a comment in the comment section. Uh, really appreciate all that uh, communication on YouTube. Or always feel free to hit me at DLocko9 on Twitter um, as well. That's just as good a spot to hit us. So there was a lot of news this weekend. Um, Juancho Herman Gomez dropped 27 points, hit seven of nine threes, and Spain defeated France. And, um, you know, that was, uh, you know, we're, we're keeping an eye on just because we still love Rudy. That's so important to Rudy. They fall short again, kind of crushing. Um, and Rudy doesn't have a good game. Six points, six rebounds, two blocks. Spain has always kind of had his number, but previously it was with Gasol, and now they do it. Um, in a different fashion, and so that's got to be that's got to be super disappointing uh, to Rudy. The big news of the weekend was that Dennis Schroeder uh, gets traded or gets signed by the Lakers, so he's going back to play for the Lakers. He was with Germany. Germany wins the bronze medal game over Poland, and um, you know, it, anytime anything happens with the Lakers right now, it all stems back to what does this mean for uh, Russell Westbrook. I I think there is some legitimacy to that conversation about, you know, what are they going to do? According to Mark Stein, in Mark Stein's most recent uh, substack, which you're welcome to subscribe to if you care to, um, they, they, you know, they're trying to claim that Schroeder, that Westbrook's staying with his team still, which I just, I don't, I'm not buying. From all the stories I've heard over the years, Last year, the people that were there, the way it wore people out, uh, both front office and on the team. And, you know, maybe Darvin Ham can really change things from Frank Vogel, but I, I, it doesn't, you know, that's the hope uh, from their end. But I have to say, it doesn't necessarily feel like that's a possibility. Uh, I, I have a hard time buying this, that Russell Westbrook is 
staying there. I think this is just another nice, you know, backup move for them to be able to cover if they're going to move Westbrook. So I, I still fully expect Westbrook to get moved here at some point. The comment they're making now is that they see Westbrook and Schroeder as their point guards and Beverly as a 3 and D guard. Like, that just doesn't jive. Because, frankly, Schroeder's not a very good point guard and Russell passes if he's used his whole offense. So it's almost like, no, you know, LeBron's your point guard. He's your center, your point guard, your small forward on that team. Um... And they need shooting so badly. Like, their problem is last year, as you put the ball in the hands of LeBron, go back to Eric Spolster NBA Finals. You know, he had this incredible team of Chris Bosh, LeBron, Ray Allen, Shane Battier. And the problem was, what do you do with Wade? Well, you put the ball in Wade's hands. And then Wade has gravity. If The, the ball has gravity. And so if you put, you have a non-shooter on the floor, you put the ball in the non-shooter's hands, and then the non-shooter has gravity, and then everyone's got to be guarded, and then you've got enough space. Well, if you put the ball in Russell Westbrook's hands because he's non-shooter, then it means it's not in LeBron's hands. So that doesn't really work. I mean, that's great for me is if I'm rooting against the Lakers, but if I'm the Lakers, I need the ball in LeBron's hands. I don't need the ball in my point in Schroeder or Westbrook's hands. It's in LeBron's hands. And now the problem is with Schroeder and Westbrook is they're not very good shooters, and so you don't have any gravity. So this team is desperate for shooting, which is what the Jazz have to offer them in a trade, which is Boyan Bogdanovich, possibly Malik Beasley. It seems less and less likely on Mike Conley. Um, If they have these other guys, they're also trying not to have anything on their books, and the Jazz gave Mike Conley a a partial guarantee for that next year. So it still feels to me, despite all the spinning, that Westbrook gets moved. Now it's got to happen fairly close. We're literally seven days away from, you know, a media day here. Um... So this is feels like a big week ahead of us right now on whether or not some of these movements happen um, between these teams. You know, there's still the Indiana deal. Buddy Heald, great shooting. Miles Turner spreads them out. Pretty good shooting. Like, that's a real deal. Uh, the Jazz have whatever Bogdanovich, Beasley, Clarkson combination. That's real shooting. That's Both of those improve the Lakers a great deal. So the only thing that's holding this up is clearly whether the Lakers are willing to give up enough. And... You know, the Lakers are probably playing a little bit of chicken here the way the Knicks did. Well, there's probably nobody else who's willing to make these deals. There's probably no one else who's willing to give up an unprotected first, so I'm not giving up two to figure it all out. Um, but we'll see. But it does it does lead me to still think that a deal's getting done and the Truder's actually there. Well, he didn't have a very good year last year, frankly. But the minute Boston moved him, you know, there's a reason he was being signed in in September, not in July. So let's not overplay who Schroeder is either. But when Boston moved him, things got better, right? They moved and the ball started to move more. I mean, these, these are factual things. I'm not trying to criticize the guy. But, the, you know, the fact is that when he, they, they moved him out, he had a hard time getting signed last year. Once they moved him out, then the ball started moving. Then things uh, progressed. Uh, so we'll see. I still think that deal has to get done here at some point. I'm just not buying. It doesn't match entirely. The other big news, by the way, of the weekend, which is our poll question, is Becky Hammond wins the title. And, you know, she does seem to be on a groundbreaking pace. Um, And I thought, you know, it was kind of clear to me that just being Pop's assistant wasn't going to get her a head coaching job. And there were, you know, all sorts of murmurs of why not. Um, And now she goes to W, which is not the same thing as the NBA, but she's now coached as a head coach. And I always talk about, I think, head coaching experience is vital. And she wins the title. That team was loaded. 
Um, and that team was good, but it's still hard to win title. Like I give Eric Spolster all the credit in the world for winning titles in Miami. I'm not going to take away credit from Becky Hammond for winning a title with the favorite in Las Vegas. And they dealt with a lot of chaos and team chemistry that year, this year too, with, um, their, their Australian center, uh, Cambridge or not, uh, Kambaj, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm not certain, um, leaving the team. So credit to Becky, uh, congratulations to her. And we'll see the NBA is, you know, frankly, overly male-dominated in all aspects. I've never understood kind of why women couldn't scout, um, why women couldn't front office, why women couldn't coach. Um, there's really no explanation that's any good for any of these things. And so, well, it'll all... The question, you know, I have for you in the poll question is, or in the comment section today is, when when do you think Becky Hammond gets a head coaching job and where? Um, so that was the big news of the week, and it, it, it was significant. Like... Good for Juancho Herman Gomez in Spain. Lakers getting Dennis Schroeder, kind of working us toward where, where, where is this, you know, no one's signing Schroeder and the Lakers are the ones who do it. I think it's a sign that something's close to happening there. So we're seven days away from media day. Uh, feels like the Westbrook deal has to do and congratulations uh, to Becky Hammond. I asked you uh, the uh, who you were most excited to see this year yet on Friday. And I've got the poll questions on that. Uh, I'll also touch on culture. A lot of concern. The number one question I'm getting about the idea that if we are to be lo- if we end up losing a bunch of games, what happens to the culture of our franchise? And I think it's a totally fair question. I'll explain why, and then I'll explain why I'm not worried about it as well. That's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Today's show, the Monday edition, is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy, located at uh, Woods Cross, also up in Logan. The Chevrolet lineup of trucks as we hit the winner. The Silverado and the Colorado are unprecedented. The SUVs are the Utah County Assault Vehicles, the Suburban and the Tahoe, but then also some great ones. The Trax, the Traverse, uh, the Equinox, all there for you, and the Sporty Blazer. So a great lineup of SUVs. By the way, right now when you buy a Chevy, uh, you get a season pass, I think it is, to Solitude Ski Resort, which is kind of an awesome uh, add-on. Give you a great winter deal there as well. Plus $500 customer cash. Uh, and $1,000 accessory credit purchase on any new Silverado right now. So great stuff going on. And they have the first ever all-electric Equinox EV that is out there right now uh, for you as well. And so great lineup of cars with the Chevy trucks. It is all going down at Woods Cross. Get two season passes to Solitude Mountain Resort when you purchase or lease a 2022 or 2023 Chevy model. That's all at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross also in Logan. I want to welcome a, a new sponsor for our program today. It's Rocket Money. Um, Rocket Money uh, does some pretty interesting stuff. It has profound and positive impact on people's lives and finance otherwise. Um, you know, what does Rocket Money do for everybody else? Uh, it, it, it able to... Um, and we got a good promo code for you, too, as well. Sorry, I, I just pulled up the wrong sheet. So I'm um, going to have to cle- clear that out and get you kind of the official wording. Um, it's it's from Rocket. It's the money app that makes you work. And what it really, um, it, this is what had me uh, flustered there for a second. We've been kind of talking about uh, Rocket Money before as Truebill. And Rocket bought Truebill, which was such a great thing, kind of to monitor your money, follow your money, what's going on with it. And now... Uh, it has been renamed Rocket Money 
but it's the same app as we've had for you before, and it, I was a big fan of it then, and I'm still a big fan of it now. You're wasting money on subscriptions. 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, and maybe uh, you know you have an unused whatever video account, newspaper account, whatever it is. Rocket Money will go find it for you. Uh, most Americans spend about $80 a month on subscriptions, um, you would think, but it's actually closer to $200, and a lot of it you don't want to have, so you can save Huge money. Cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on and you save hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on. I also really like the app for um, following my money, where what's being spent, spending trends. Um, there's all sorts of other aspects to it, but obviously saving on those subscriptions is the big one. It's Rocket Money. The former Truebill is now Rocket Money. So go to rocketmoney.com slash Locked on. That, boy, that ever buckle me um, this morning on that. It's like one of those things you get like, no, but I do this early in the morning and sometimes I'm not all the way plugged in. That was certainly the case right there. Apologize for that. All right. There's been a lot of discussion about culture concerns and I think it's legit. And part of the reason is because we've been kind of taught through Jerry Sloan and through Quinn Snyder and through Frank Layden that, you know, the Utah Jazz are special and Dennis Lindsay used to talk about the Utah Jazz DNA and that there was a certain way we played and approach we took in all those winning years and that, you know, that's kind of the essence of who we were as a franchise. And now as you suddenly hear about me talk about whether it might be changing your mindset from a season from nine months to 36 months or nine months to 48 months, and I might not be entirely accurate on that, but that's just kind of the way I'm going about it. And it's this feeling of like, well, wait a sec, but then then we're not who we said we were, and then our culture falls apart. So I think this is a really fair comment for a jazz fan who's followed the team for a long, long time, and kind of the things that we we bang our chest about is how few losing seasons we've ever had, and you know how rarely we've ever had a bad year. I think those are it's it's rightful concern. So I don't want to dismiss this at all. The two things I would say on this. One is, I do think that culture is largely dictated by individual players rather than franchises. So when you get Steph Curry, the Warriors culture becomes amazing. Joe uh, Joe Lacob likes to take credit for it, but you know what? Like, they had Monte Ellis before, and that culture wasn't great. And then Steph Curry comes in, and he's really one in a million. And, you know, Tim, the Spurs culture and Popovich is great, but Tim Duncan and Manu and Tony were really, really special people. Um... And Pop was the right guy for it. I'm not trying to dismiss that. I do think the coach matters. I'm not. Um, And Giannis has changed Milwaukee's culture by the way he plays. And so I do think the individual players that you acquire along the way um, probably have a bigger impact than long-term franchise existence as culture. Now, it's an interesting question, right? Because Orlando just can't seem to win and Sacramento can't seem to win. And it's easy to pin that on something culturally about those franchises and what they're doing. The other one I would say in the little bit of time we've spent with Will Hardy, he's just not going to let this thing run amok. Um, And that's probably the question. I think that was the criticism of the process under Sam Hinkie, whether rightful or wrongful, that there just was, there's no structure, no order. Um, Jalil Okafer went and got arrested and people just kind of freaked out that this was, you know, they just let the young guys run amok. There's no chance, having spent time with Will Hardy, that they're going to run him up. And Will Hardy's going to try to win as many games as possible with the roster that he is given. There, there's He doesn't, uh, again, I've spent limited time with him. I don't want to act like I have any great insight to who he is or overplay my hand here. But 
this guy, I can tell you, is not interested in trying to live his life to, to you know, get the rights to a draft pick. <clears throat> That's just not, if it happens, it happens. But the task at hand each and every day is to improve as a team, to improve as a unit, to improve individuals, and to win basketball games. And I, I will promise you that there's no chance that you're going to see anything other than that from Will Hardy. That's that's purely who he is as a person. Um, and you can feel when you talk to him, you can feel the incredible intensity bounding out of him when he talks about it. And he talks about, you know, an effort and a performance and a winning. So he's not, go, he's not going to let this run amok on the culture end. So I'm not, and I don't think Danny or Ryan would either. Frankly, Ryan just built a company largely built on on you know, this kind of culture of innovation and things of that nature. And so I think you're, I, I don't, I'm not particularly worried about that. Um, and I'm not worried about it kind of from one, the franchise standpoint and two, the head coach standpoint, but then three, I just think the truth of the matter is if we're going to have this like outstanding culture that we talk about, it's going to be because Danny and Justin Zanuck and the crew draft the right guy somewhere along the way or trade for the right guy somewhere along the way who builds it. You know, I think culturally allows, you know, gets the next Giannis, Steph, these guys that are super special, and those are obviously the most recent champions. Um, And, you know, I think it's going to be super, it's going to be interesting to watch Dallas over time. Like, Luka is their culture right now. So far, so good. Like, let's watch that. Like, I think it'll be fine. He has a joyousness to him, and, and you could see their bench last year. I thought it was really, you know, great. Jokic is the culture in Denver. And Jamal Murray's going to return and probably want to take a little bit of that. Um, but the, these dominant individual players, I think, do become the culture. And even the greatest coaches in the world are going to have a hard time preventing them from having that impact. Um, you can try to do all sorts of things. And, you know, the, the thing I would actually say I thought maybe if we look back at the Quinn Snyder year is that, that Quinn became the culture. And at some point, you actually are better off probably having the players take a larger leadership role in this league than the coach. Um, but because Quinn started when it was so small or so, you know, we didn't have any people and built it and it really became the culture of Quinn. And then the, and then as Rudy and, and Donovan kind of juxtaposition to try to figure out where they fit and Mike Conley's leadership was much more passive then it almost became a void because Quinn t- tried to let go and nobody really stepped in. So it's going to be, Will's going to build this thing up and he's going to build that culture and be who, the and he's not going to allow it to be like run amok wildness. You're not going to just see you know loose basketball. You're not going to see not playing hard. You're not going to see pure you know if you see poor execution, it's going to be because of youth, not because of lack of effort. And then the question is going to be over time: Do we draft someone? Do we acquire someone who can kind of lead the group from the player standpoint? In that, it's also where I think Mike Conley might have an interesting role this year. Mike is such a great guy; does everything right. It, it may be that Mike Conley really has a role in this team as we go through this stage this year of being a part of it and uh, being that veteran that there are so very few good veteran leaders in this league. I, you know, I always laugh. Like, why do we think a guy who's been like traded three times, moved around the league, um, lost faith in most franchises is going to teach our young players to trust the franchise? Like, that's just not going to happen. But Mike is a little different. He's just such a high-quality individual um, and and is so sincere in his concern for others that he might be able to lead, be a little bit of a leader inside this group this year and keep 
keep the progress going and have a real value to the franchise in this individual season uh, for the long term. So we'll see on that. All right, who were the players you were most excited to see this year coming up? We'll get your get your results on that. How you feel about it? Is locked on Jazz your team every day? Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. The vote totals from Friday's show on players you're most excited to see. Abaji got five votes. So he is the number one player, the 14th pick of the NBA draft out of Kansas, grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, then moved to Kansas City, played all four years at Kansas, got better each and every year there. We'll get into who he is a little bit more in a second, why fans are so excited. Lowry Markkinen was the second, and welcome to all of our friends from Finland. Uh, got a bunch of new viewers from Finland. Love it when we add a foreign player. I don't know if we'll keep our French fans and our Spanish fans from over the years. But the international component of this league leads to us having um, new Finnish fans. I've got some interesting family ties to Finland too. So any of you who are from Finland and you are listening, email me at dlock09 at gmail.com and I'll share with you an interesting little tidbit or two about my family history and how it ties to Finland. I don't need to like do this on the show right now, but I think it'd be, if you're curious, I'll tell you that. Uh, Foncecchio, the Italian who had such a great Eurobasket um, run, is the thir- gets the third most amount of votes for players that fans are most excited to see. And then Walker Kessler, the seven-footer out of Auburn, acquired in the Rudy Gobert trade. Started his college career at North Carolina, got caught in COVID. Uh, then when wasn't sure about what was going on COVID, grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Both his dad and his brother played for the Bulldogs. He didn't want to go back to Georgia, so he went to Auburn uh, to be able to be close to home, depending what happened. And then Sexton, Beverly, and Vanderbilt each got a single vote in the process um, for players you're most excited to see. So let's go dig in on Abaji a little bit. I'll dig in more as the um, week goes on. He's part of the reason I think people are so excited for Abaji. He's 6'5 with a 6'10 wingspan and 215 pounds. So he has that great NBA body. I always say this about scouting players, and, and we do have that great podcast locked on NBA Big Board for your second listen. The one thing I always like about NBA when I'm wondering whether a guy's going to make it in the league, and Walker, both Walker Kessler and Abaji fit this, is, okay, find their comp. Your, your first comp will always be a Hall of Famer, and then that's not very likely. And then your second comp's an all-star, and then that's not very likely. And then the third, do you have a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth comp for a player that actually is just kind of normal, like just a regular, really, really good NBA player? Well, in the case of Walker Kessler, he's 7-1. We can find all sorts of 7-foot-1 comps for Walker Kessler that played in the league 10 averaged anywhere from 10 to 25 to 30 minutes in the league and were viable five to 10 year NBA pros. Like there's an endless amount when you're seven feet tall. There's also an endless amount when you're six foot five with a six ten wingspan, weigh 215 pounds and have a 39 inch vertical jump. Like that's beautiful. One of the examples, uh, there was a guy named Byron Houston. There was a guy named Clarence Weatherspoon. They all came out after Charles Barkley. And everyone's like, look, the next Charles Barkley. It's like, okay, like, if it's not Charles Barkley, who is it? And then you're kind of like out of the league. Now it's actually just your Byron Houston. But it's the same thing with, remember, former great Andre Miller. So Andre Miller was unique. Non-athletic, played on the ground, 
you know, non-explosive, yet somehow meandered his way through the league for 23 years and was greatly successful. Um, and everyone, for a while, would be like, there's a kid out of North Carolina that came out, his name was Kendall Marshall, and everyone's like, oh, he's next to Andre Miller. I was like, okay, well, if he's not Andre Miller, who is he? Because, like, Andre Miller's borderline Hall of Famer, so, like, who's, who's the next, who's the next, if he's not, who's the next? And the answer was, there wasn't one, you're, you're not in the league. So, like, it's a little, it's a little bit of actually, you know, Kristaps Porzingis is interesting to me, and even um, Wemon Yab is a little interesting to me. Like the unicorn gets me nervous too. Like I like to see players who have just a, a you know, let's just run the list. It's endless. So Abaji fits into that because of the fact that he's six five with a six ten wingspan, thirty nine inch vertical jump, and then he really shot it pretty well. The easy answer right now is to say that Abaji's a three and D guy. I'll I'll be honest in watching him and some in some video and it's not you know whatever you're kind of watching selectly and I haven't watched the whole as much an NBA scout I, I wasn't overwhelmed by his defense um, I think if he's going to become a defensive guy in the NBA it's going to be the evolution of a new skill that I'm not sure he sh- at least in my book totally showed on the collegiate level now I also find myself wanting to only see a collegiate player against fellow NBA players, and that's hard to do. Um, the other one I would just... I, I'm excited for Abaji. I'm not disagreeing. But I do want to, like, like let's be consistent in how we're always going to talk about prospects, and I'm not going to change the way I talk about a prospect just because he's ours. I think it's really important when you look at collegiate prospects of what did they do at 18 and 19 and 20 when they were playing guys their same age and not what they did at 21 and 22. Now, Abaji started awfully young. He was an 18-year-old freshman, so he's not like he's one of these kids who stayed back a year. His freshman year, he played 22 games. He averaged about 20 minutes a game, 25 minutes a game, which is a lot. He averaged 8.5 points and five rebounds. So he was impactful in limited time, shot 31% from three. His 19-year-old year, he had played 31 games. He played about 33 minutes, which is just an awful lot. So immediately you can tell to Bill Self he was a vital piece of what they were doing. He averaged 10 points and four rebounds and two assists, and he shot 43 and 34%. This is the kind of comp year to me. The last year where he plays 35 minutes, he's 21 beating up on 18 and 19-year-olds. That year is less interesting to me. I know it's the one everybody's excited about. He shot 41% from three. Danny talked about he got better every year. He should get better every year. He got older every year against younger players. Um, His three-point shooting over the four-year stretch is awesome, 31 to 34 to 38 to 41. That's really exciting. Um, And so you, you, I think the the free-throw number jump in his game is the one that jumps out to me the most. He went from taking 36 free throws to 49 to 74 to 152. That's awesome. That's also, I think he became bigger and stronger and more physically developed than the young kids he was playing with. And he overpowered them. But those are the kind of the things, you know, the three point shooting and the free throw attempts lead you to believe there could be something really great there, but I don't want to discount it. But if it was another prospect and we hadn't signed him yet, like I would be mentioning right away that, Hey, he's, you know, he's a older guy playing against younger kids. That's the same way, you know, we, we would talk about a bunch of these guys. So I want to be consistent in how I'm evaluating players, but the great thing. So that's the, like, that's the cool, the Jets side of this. Let's wait and see a little bit. It's probably why he went, you know, but he went 14th. He didn't go fifth. Um, It wasn't like when Wesley Johnson did this after transferring to Syracuse and everyone got all excited and was like, Okay, except for the fact he's doing it at 22. 
Um, you know, I do like something else. Another kind of concern I have on draft prospects is when someone's just bigger and ta- uh, stronger and taller than everyone else. So this is, um, we actually now have him on our roster. Stanley Johnson was this guy. He was just so big and so strong and so much more physically imposing than everybody that you could watch him come out of LA out of high school and he was just powered everybody. And then he got to Arizona, he just powered through everybody and he got into the NBA and you're like, eh, think he's going to be able to do that. Abaji's game has more depth to it than that. And that's again where the great thing is just these numbers like 6-5, you know, 6-10 reach, 35 whatever inch vertical. There's a ton of those guys. That's a successful NBA player. So there's no question that this is a script for a player that can be very successful and an NBA player. And I think the minutes played at Kansas is really interesting. You know, 26 is freshman year, but then 33, 34, 35. I mean, that's basically never taking someone out of the game when you're at Kansas because you're going to beat some people by so much at Kansas that you that you end up, you know, you play some games where you don't play all your minutes because of the fact that you, um, because you're winning by so much. So for a guy like Abaji to have, you know, be one of the all-time minutes played guys is really a telling um, comment about what you know what he can do and what he's capable of doing and being at that level. So that's pretty exciting. I think that tells you what, what Self said. And the other one I would point out on Kansas that's really exciting about Abaji also is that you don't wing players at Kansas often get lost. And Self plays a system where he's going to kind of run naturally to the um to the big guys and i'm trying to think i'm there's a post player that's been there for like ellis or someone like who feels like he was at kansas like 73 years um but he's gonna you know whether he's going down the post player so when you look at Ubre and wiggins and some of these guys who played the wing for self they they don't get a huge they don't get massive numbers over the years, and so they then get to the NBA and they open up um, a little bit more um, and get some more opportunities. So I think there's a lot of really good reasons why this is the most guy you should be most excited about. I'm going to have a reoccurring theme with all of our players this year. It's probably going to drive you nuts, and that is to let us let them stay in their lane. Like, let's let Abaji be a rotation player and feel the NBA and not have to be a star. Let's let Kessler figure out how he can be a drop big who can play 20 minutes a night in the NBA and begin to learn the NBA. Let's let Balmero find himself a groove somewhere after a bad shooting rookie year, but a lot of skills from Argentina. Let's let Fonchecchio be a complimentary player. Now what's hard is if we don't, you know, if if Sexton and Markinen struggle at all, and we don't have Boyan and, Cle- and Beasley and Clarkson, there's going to be times where we ask a lot more out of them, and maybe they flop a little bit, and we have to pull ourselves back and say, it's okay, we're asking them to do more than their lane, let's just focus on what their lane is. And I think that's going to be something you hear from me a lot, probably more than you want to um, this season. At least that's going to be my philosophy, and you're welcome to quibble with me on it. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm heading to New York today, or to New Jersey, uh, for the NBA broadcast meetings. I'll hope to get a show out, but it's going to be awfully hard on Wednesday, so maybe I'll try to do it on Thursday um, and I'll hopefully have some really interesting things for you broadcast meetings always fire me up and spark it being around brilliance these guys are so talented the league's amazing so really looking forward to that and um, I will uh, talk to you soon thanks very much this is Locked on Jazz your team every day